With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pour one more beer for me. Exile needs quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Pick up a 12-pack today. Enjoy your Welcome back to the HN Podcast, brought to you by XL Brewing Company, coming to you from the XL Brewing Company studios. Uh, in our recent episode, we spent a big amount of time talking about Iowa's win against Iowa State and the Cyhawk. Let's move on to uh, the Big Ten from this weekend. You, you've talked already quite a bit about Ohio State. They're losing 31-16 to 16 to Oklahoma. The Buckeyes dropping down. I don't know. They're still in the top 10 in both polls. And if they run the table, they're going to likely be in the college football playoff, given that positioning, you would think. But that was a heck of a win for Oklahoma. One, one of the toughest places to play and win in the sport. And Oklahoma mm-hmm. came in there. Baker Mayfield, a nice early season Heisman resume film for him. Just a huge win for them. Agreed. If you watch that game, even when Ohio State was ahead and and they had the game control, you could tell Oklahoma wanted the game more. You could tell their energy level was more. They were hungrier. They had the eye of the tiger. They had all those intangibles. You could tell. And and they they just needed Ohio State to give them an opening. They needed Ohio State to get out of their game plan, to, to sort of lose their identity, lose their brand. And they start chucking the ball over the all over the yard for reasons only Allah knows. And that was the opening because just as we were talking about Iowa beat Iowa State playing the game Iowa State wanted to play. If you would have told Lincoln Riley, who turned 34 this week, by the way, if you would have told him uh, that at the end of the game, any stat other than turnovers, which are always obvious, right? Take turnover margin off of the off the ledger. If you would have told Lincoln Riley last week that at the end of the game, Baker Mayfield and, and will play the full game and JT Barrett will have as many passing attempts as Baker Mayfield, he would have told you right then and there, we will win the game. See what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. That if, if Mayfield plays, it's, it's, that, if, that if, if it's not because Mayfield got hurt, but if he played four quarters every game, every snap, and at the end of the game, Barrett had as many passing attempts, that means they got Ohio State off their game plan and that's exactly what happened you know they, they brought kevin wilson in they were supposed to fix everything instead it looks exactly like it looked before i mean they, they this has been an anemic offense going back the last few games and it's because they have lost their brand why they don't run the ball more i disagree i i because you have to understand you have to do with the, with the talent you have jt barrett is not a great downfield passer what he is is a great leader a physical runner a guy that um, has shown that he can make clutch plays and, and get the ball to your playmakers in space 
where they can then take the ball and run with it. But that begins by running the football in a way that forces teams to cheat up front in the, at the line of scrimmage. They haven't built that brand at Ohio State. They and, and they got lucky when they sort of panicked against Indiana that they didn't have the athletes back there uh, to cover crossing routes. They couldn't open those things up against Oklahoma, whose defense is not that good from, you know, uh, from an FBS standard, but it's better than Indiana's. And they caught Ohio State pressing. I, I think they've got existential problems there in that they, it's, this isn't youth, you know, when we talk about Michigan, we'll talk about a sloppy offensive effort. But, I mean, virtually every player that is other than Wilton Spate at Michigan who is making key offensive contributions was not asked to do so last year. That's just going to take some time. But at Ohio State, we know these names other than Dobbins. We know the rest of these names. This is a matter of they have to go back to basics. And, and, and this is where Ohio State has got to look at this game the way they looked at the Virginia Tech game two years ago when they lost that, or three years ago when they lost that one, because they have no more margin for error now. That final score will, it will make it that they have to win the Big Ten outright to make it to the playoffs, which means they have to win out from here. And they've still got games in Ann Arbor, in Lincoln. Um, you know, those are traditionally some tough places to play. And I don't think Nebraska plays any defense at all, but that offense they got there is not bad, you know. So you're going to have to score some points there. They've got to get back to basics there. They got Penn State coming in as well. They, they just need to get back to who they are and run more power spread, not less. So, you know, Nate Stanley, um, he's attempted 56 passes in two games. Ohio State has attempted 70 passes. Um, that's, just, that's criminal. That's and they've just completed incredible. just 55.7%. Yeah. Seven yards That's per attempt. That's just not who you are. You're asking JT Barrett to do what he can't do. That's just not who you are. It's just not. Yeah, it's, that's that's pretty amazing, uh, really. And and the worst pass defense so far, and these stats are kind of crazy early on, worst pass defense in the Big Ten is Ohio State's. Well, and that's another reason why you need to run the ball more because keep in mind, those guys can't cover with Greg Schiano, who's a pretty well-respected defensive coach, said and told BTN's crew in August, this was the most talented defensive front he's ever coached, including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, that might be hyperbole, but this is still a damn good defensive front. That can get you they fired, are, too. Well, they're constantly in the backfield, and you still can't cover. What you're seeing is... The, is the NFL has just decimated that position group two years in a row. And even at the level Ohio State recruits, you just can't sustain that with 85 scholarships two years running. And that's just going to be a vulnerability. They're going to have to figure out how to compensate for that. And one way you compensate for that, possess the ball more. Yeah, indeed. Um, the second worst passing defense in the Big Ten belongs to the Nebraska Cornhuskers who lost 42-35 at Oregon. Uh, what was it, 42-14 to at halftime? And Oregon, mm -hmm. uh, Oregon called off the dogs uh, a little bit there. The Through six quarters at halftime of the Oregon game, through six quarters, opponents had 78 points and 906 yards of offense against Nebraska's defense. Yikes. Oregon racked up 409 yards of offense in the first half against the vaunted black shirts. Teams are completing 70% of their passes thus far 
against Nebraska and have thrown it 101 times. Now, I will add this. Nebraska's first two opponents are not going to play styles of football that Nebraska's going to see week in, week out in the Big Ten. But- although, although they might now. <laughs> you're watching that film you're like i know what offense we're running this week yeah but that said i wouldn't take much solace yet if i were a nebraska fan because we still don't know if these corn huskers have gotten tougher from a year ago which is something that they clearly lacked and it was by their own admission from their now former defensive coordinator saying after the iowa game that their practices must be bloodbaths we don't know if Nebraska can line up and play a toe-to-toe game. Uh, I think the quarterback, Lee's he's a solid quarterback. Um, they're, they're, they're running back who put up some huge numbers against uh, Arkansas State in the first game, um, and he put up some good numbers yesterday. He got hurt. I'm, I'm not sure of what his status is right now. I, I don't know. I, I, think that, I think that they could be in some trouble. I agree, and what worries me is – You'd like to say that they showed some real pride in coming back in the second half, but if you look at that box score, that 42 to 35, all smoke and mirrors, you can tell Oregon came out, a program that struggled last year, is not, a lot of these are young players that weren't part of their championship teams under Helfrich and Chip Kelly and Mike Bellotti. And so that winning culture is not there, and they kind of just came out and coasted because somehow Nebraska got to 35 points with Tanner Lee at under 50% completions and barely 100 yards rushing, Mm -hmm. okay? So that tells you it wasn't Nebraska came out, man, and we're going to make a state. We're the Huskers, one of the greatest programs of all time, play with some pride. We're going to come out. No, it was more of Oregon just kind of thought the game was over kind of stuff because the stat line, even after all those garbage time points, still very disconcerting if you're a Nebraska fan. And – you know, what you said last week about the black shirts at Ohio State is prophetic. It, they're de- it's more like no shirt, no shoes, no defense. Um, it's a participation trophy. Far be it for me to tell one of the greatest programs ever what to do. But if I were running Nebraska, I would treat the black shirts the way they do the gold pants at Ohio State. And that is you have to earn those. You know, at Ohio State, you get a pair of gold pants if you beat Michigan. And, man, I, I listen to Earl Bruce tell me stories about – those next to his own freaking wedding ring and his kids birth pictures those gold pants that he got as a player at ohio state were his proudest possession 40 years later all right they meant something i think they've got to go back to they've got to make you earn that shirt earn that jersey because this is embarrassing what they're doing right now especially with more of a pro style attack that's designed to possess the ball more that's designed to be more balanced that's designed to be more of an nfl style of attack to protect your defense and that's obviously not working at least not so far no it is not working at all um next up purdue 44 ohio 21 purdue's putting up some numbers i think that's a pretty solid win for them uh off that louisville game which you said was maybe a little bit of pyrite fool's gold what do you think of that one i was impressed yeah i mean ohio is picked it was preseason picked to win their division in the mac who knows how good they are but frank solich's ohio teams are always somewhere between seven and ten wins every year they're a respectable program i went back and looked it up this was the most dominant scoreboard statistical performance against an fbs program Purdue's had since their last bowl season of 2012 so uh, you know i said last i said last week that when i looked at purdue and rutgers i thought the way rutgers hung around 
was more translatable to future success than what Purdue did, hoping Louisville was just going to drop two balls in the one-yard line, which they did. Uh, I turned out to be wrong. <laughs> Purdue got much more momentum out of that, and you saw Rutgers turn right around and give Eastern Michigan is now a glorious 1-58 and all-time against the Big Ten, thanks to Rutgers losing to them at home on Saturday. Penn State beat Pitt 33-14 at home. Um, Penn State had just 14 first downs in this game, 4 of 12 on third downs, 312 total yards. They did have, they were plus two in turnovers. That was probably a big story of the game. Uh, Pitt had led in time of possession 38-20 to 21-40. Um, and James Franklin was talking all sorts of smack after that game. What are your thoughts? Well, um, one, I think that's the danger of big big point spreads in a rivalry game and you lose that emotional edge and it's tough to live up to that because at the beginning of the season if we would have said Penn State wins this game 33 to 14 we'd be like that's very impressive but when the spread jumps up to 21 because of public perception and you know and and you have the longest running streak in the country of games scoring at least 35 points suddenly beating your big rival 33 to 14 you're kind of like i don't know is something wrong i mean they were in control the entire game and i actually love what james franklin did because it took the pressure off it if it, it that's all the shady threw it pit when he said hey they when they beat us last year they acted like it was the super bowl when we beat them this year we just treated like when we beat akron first of all they're not back on the schedule next year there's these two teams played again this year. It's an aberration. The, this home and home this year and next, they're not they're not scheduled to play for several more years. So it's quite likely James Franklin's never coached another game against Pat Narduzzi ever again. So he's got nothing to lose. Second, you want to make a statement to recruits there in state. Third, we're not talking about some of those statistical issues that you just mentioned because of the shade that James Franklin threw. I thought it was a good move on multiple levels for him to do that. Michigan 36, Cincinnati 14. Um, maybe another game that would fit with regards to if you looked at it, you're like, meh, what'd you think of it? Well, if you didn't watch, the box score looked the way it's supposed to look. I mean, Michigan had basically 200 yards rushing, 200 yards passing, like did it against Florida. That's what you're looking for. This defense is, is already turning teams over better than even last year's loaded unit did the entire year. Dominant defensive performance. But, man, it was sloppy to watch. I mean, you really felt Michigan's youth out there. And there was one play on a botched punt return that went against them. It looks like they're on their way to naming the score. That went against them. And you could see the youth of this team lose all its momentum and just and take two more quarters to turn around. It's one of those games where if we'd have played five or six other teams still to come on our schedule, we would have lost. But then you ask yourself, would this is would a young team have played this way against Penn State? And the answer is probably no. This is what you're going to get with young teams. We're going to these kinds of games. Focus is lost against Florida. You know, big name opponent. Act like it's the Super Bowl. This is what makes coaches pull their hair out. And I was pulling some hairs out and some other things uh, watching it here at home. Wisconsin 31, Florida Atlantic 14. I, I was surprised that this one was. Um as close as it was, although, you know, Alex Hornerbrook, I, I, I'm not sold on him. I, 
Wisconsin oftentimes asks their quarterbacks just to be a game manager, and I know that can be a, a dirty word in some press conferences and locker rooms, but it is what it is. Um, Jonathan Taylor ran for 223 yards, Chris James for 101 for Wisconsin. So they went out and kind of did the things that Wisconsin wants to do. They put up 564 yards of total offense, uh, 207 through the air, 357 through the ground. Just didn't translate into a lot of points is really all I, I would say. Yeah, and I think this is the danger. I mean, this is similar to the Michigan game. I mean, that, that's a, that's the way the stats are supposed to look, right? They and, are and, totally. And, and and when you and so when when you same thing with Michigan, different though. Wisconsin's not as young as Michigan, but it, it comes down to we just know we can throw our helmets out here and beat these guys, you know. And this is this is the argument for why for why Nick Saban schedules that showcase game every season opener why coaches schedule some major opponents and, well you know, when you have five stars rolling in every year you can schedule that showcase game in the season yeah but opener. you and, and you and it, that's but that's the argument is do guys get rusty does it hurt us does it not you know Barry Alvarez is all like I don't know I think my record since 1993 because I still count him as the coach there I think our record since 1993 kind of speaks for <laughs> itself and, he, and, he, and, he's, and he's right about that their record since 1993 speaks for itself but it but it's also why I said on Thursday I just am not until we get into Big Ten play I'm, I'm terrible at gauging Wisconsin in, in non-conference games because this what did I say this is the kind of week where they sleepwalk and that's that's what happens and it's just because they typically don't play great non-conference competition. I like how you're honing in on one of the five games that you and I actually picked correctly this week. We'll get to that in a second. But, yes, <laughs> you did call that one right. Um, another one that you had a premonition on, Duke Northwestern. Northwestern lost at Duke 41-17. to 17, And we've talk- and it was worse than uh, yeah, and, and I was going to say, we've, we've talked about how stat sheets are supposed to look. Here's how one is not supposed to look for a Northwestern team that some people think could finish second or so in the Big Ten West. Clayton Thorson at quarterback, 11 of 29 for 120 yards and two picks. Justin Jackson, seven carries for 18 yards. Over on the other side for Duke, they put up 538 total yards, 34 first downs. 15 of 22 on third down. Oh, my. 15 of 22. 305 through the air. 233 rushing yards for Duke. This is a... And, by the way, Duke led time of possession 41-18 to 18-42. This is not how Northwestern is supposed to look. No, I thought it was... Arguably, the worst physical beatdown of Pat Fitzgerald's coaching career, when you consider the magnitude of the opponent, okay, and outgained basically four to one, all those other stats, that was a pummeling. I, I mean, if, if 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 they played a more explosive football team, they would have gotten seventy pointed with those stats. Um, that's why this one. Like you said, it's it's similar to the Michigan and Wisconsin games where the box scores are slightly deceiving. I mean, they look the way they're supposed to look. The games just weren't that crisp. This box score is deceiving. You think 41 to 17, the score is bad. Until you look at the box score and you're like, dude, this is even worse than I thought it was. Okay, it was it was more than an ambush. I mean, they they got curb stomped. They got taken behind the woodshed 
for a Duke program that a lot of people, myself included, kind of thought maybe maybe the Cliff era is starting to peter out here a little bit. No, this is not, you know, I wasn't sounding the alarm when they struggled against Nevada last week because that's sort of typical of what we see of Northwestern in the non-conference. This, this is an alarm sounder. This is, uh, if I'm Pat Fitzgerald, the minute we got back to Evanston, I'm wondering, you know, where's my team at after this one? Because this is, we didn't even show up. We're supposed to be the more physical team here. We're the Big Ten team, um, you know, and they were mauled. This disparity, statistically, that I'm about ready to tell you, I don't know that I've ever seen something like this. Northwestern ran 54 plays, and Duke ran 104. Yikes. 104 to 54. That's like Oregon in the Chip Kelly days when they'd play like, you know, McNeese State or something like that. Yeah. Maryland beat Towson 63-17. Towson's... You know, an FBS team, but you know, you should beat one of those sixty-three, seventeen. Yeah, I mean, it it looks the way that that's supposed to look when you're good, right? That's the way it's supposed to look. I mean, they they are averaging over fifty points a game with freshman quarterbacks now. You know, right. so they're not going to win the East. Too many physical teams. They're going to beat one of those teams, and they get Penn State and Michigan at home at the very end of the year. So watch out. You know, I had Michigan 10 and 2. And even before I saw Maryland, that was one of the losses I had. Because we played them right before we finished with Wisconsin and Ohio State on the road. Classic look ahead. Our former defensive coordinator. That just smells like an ambush. They want they want to make Penn State their rival again. Um, they're going to beat one of these power teams in the East, I believe. And and I still can't figure out why the hell Vegas had them at three and a half wins over under. That I just I'm mystified at that. Indiana beat Virginia thirty four to seventeen. Um, they benched Richard. Is it, it's Lego, right? Yeah, it's Lego. They, like Lego might go. Yes. They basically went with the redshirt freshman Peyton Ramsey, and they kept him in. Um, I don't know. I mean, good win for Indiana. Any, any road win for them is a good win. That is an interesting decision after Lego threw for what he threw for against Ohio State. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see much of the game. I don't know. Did would, did he have say something in the headset on the sideline? Maybe. Maybe he was he, setting an example. Yeah, maybe you know? so. Maybe so. That, that does hope, sound yeah, like because, it. Uh, yeah, I mean, nice win, and Peyton Ramsey was pretty good, and. You know, that's more he's you know, that's more of the power spread quarterback that Mike DeBoard had a lot of success with Josh Dobbs at Tennessee the last couple of years when he was the OC there. But, you know, you're coming off a guy putting an NFL tape together against the premier program in your conference and you go from that to benching him. You just want to make sure with a new head coach that you, with a lot of guys you didn't recruit. Yeah, exactly. You your team. You Don't lose the locker say? room. Yeah. Urban Meyer can do that. Kirk Ferentz can do that. Okay. But this isn't your program quite yet. And so I'd be a little bit eh, skittish about that if I were Hoosier. I would agree. Uh, Michigan State beat Western Michigan 28-14. to 14. Western Michigan now 0-2. 
Um, this is another stat sheet that looked how it's supposed to look for Sparty. 21 to 11 first downs, 457 to 195 total yards. Sparty had 296 yards of rushing. Um, so, you know, a couple of turnovers. That, that, that seems like another step in the right direction for them. I agree. I agree. I mean, if you, if you took the first two games and we didn't know la- about last year, right? Throw yeah. last year out the window. Exactly. If we took these first two games, we would think what? Based on D'Antonio's history, what would we think? Yeah. That's just the way that's, it's supposed to look, that's right? Sparty. That's what it looks like. That's, yeah. So at the very least, it appears things have been initially stabilized. Now, when you are resuscitating a patient, you do that in stages, okay? So the first stage is stabilization, all right? You got to make sure the vital signs are stabilized before you get them upright, see if they can walk on their own. They get a buy this week. Then they get Notre Dame coming into town, coming off of, you know, a physical game against Georgia. Boston College on the road is not very good, but they always play Notre Dame tough. And we do know they at least play defense at Boston College. And it'll be back-to-back road games for Notre Dame. Okay, so, and and you got to think that's one team Sparty's confident about beating because that was one of the wins they had last year, and they whipped them bad. So that's your next step is... All right, the patient is stabilized. Can he eat on his own? Can he breathe on his own? And we're going to find that out here in two weeks with uh, Notre Dame when they go to East Lansing. Next up, recapping the Big Ten, we're almost through this. Eastern Michigan, 16, Rutgers, 13. You can't lose that game. Can't happen. It it just can't, man. I I love Chris Ash to death. One of my all-time favorite Cyclone assistant coaches when I was around the team a lot. Great guy. But that just can't happen. You can't follow up holding Washington under 100 yards and making that a game, a team that was in the playoff, well into the second half. You can't follow that up with losing. That's how you fire your get your, You fire yourself, okay? Even if you win that game 16-13, to 13, it's a win. You cannot follow because now it looks like everything that you did good against Washington was more about opening game, cross-country travel. Washington didn't take you seriously. Because now we're back to not taking that program seriously again. You just can't do that when you're Rutgers and you still have to play Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State's on the schedule, Maryland in your own backyard, you know, a program that you've got to out-recruit for you to be a legitimate program again is rolling. You can't lose that game. You just can't. Illinois is 2-0 and for the first time since, I think, 2012. They beat Western Kentucky 20-17, to so it's better than 0-2. I actually thought it was 20-7, to wasn't it? Or it's 20, 20 so what did I say? 17. Yeah. So I went and looked this, I went and looked this up. What, Western Michigan going back, or I'm sorry, Western Kentucky going back to Willie Taggart. Jeff Brom, who's now at Purdue. This has been one of the most explosive offensive programs in the group of five. I went and looked at their last 30 games to see how often they've been held to less than 17 points. I only found one. Hmm. Alabama. Last, Alabama. Hmm. That's only one of their last 30 games I found that they were held to two touchdowns or less. That's a good point. That's pull. Alabama. Okay? So, listen, I'm not, you know, I'm not losing my poop. Okay? That Juice Williams, the juice is loose. Okay? Or Kurt Kittner is... You know, passing them to sugar bowls, okay? But, you know, just as we just said that for Chris Ash, you can't lose that game. Lovey Smith, you want to show, hey, the way we came back against Ball State, we got some moxie, 
we got some momentum. He did the exact opposite of what Chris Chris Ash did. And he, he didn't just get a win. I mean, they dominated them physically at the line of scrimmage the way a good Big Ten team should, even a, a good group of five team. So good for Lovey Smith in Illinois. That's the first real ray of light since he took over. Lastly, Minnesota 48, Oregon State 14, a game that kicked off at 9 p.m. out in the state of Oregon. And a good break for Minnesota in that a lot of that game was played in heavy, heavy rains. They took advantage of that. They only threw the ball eight times. Uh, this this hurt Oregon State a lot more than it hurt Minnesota. Minnesota wound up rushing for 253 yards. Time of possession advantage 38-16 to 21-44. Just one turnover, and that's how you win 48-14. to So a solid win. I thought that was a huge win. Given how, how um, blah, meh, ineffectual, the performance against Buffalo was to go out there cross country. And I know Oregon state's not very good, but I was racking my brain. You know, I'm the, you know, poor man's Chris Felica bear idiot savant. I couldn't come up with out of the top of my head. The last time a big 10 team won one of these night games on the West coast. Could you think of when it last time it happened was, I mean, I think Wisconsin played like Fresno or so UNLV or something like that. But I mean, against against a, a group of a pack, 10 pack 12 team. Right. Um, I mean, Wisconsin I, went out there a few years ago, lost to Arizona State, remember? Yeah. Too. You know, we don't win these games as Big Ten guys. We don't win these West Coast. First of all, we don't play them that often. And for when a we reason. do, we win them even less often. Right. You know, so a, a lot. That's a huge win for Minnesota uh, in terms of winning your players over to your style as a coach, seeing that kind of success. You know, I had them finishing seven and five. And this was one of the games I had them losing. So um, that's a big moment for P.J. Fleck when you're little by little with guys you didn't recruit establishing your brand and identity. Nationally, a few games here before we uh, wrap this one up. Uh, Oklahoma State, 44-17 on Friday night again. Or was it Thursday or Friday? I can't remember. Friday. Friday. South Alabama. Very, uh, very surgical um, destruction of a, of a road game at South Alabama. Um, Bama had where they a, have maybe the greatest chant in college football, USA, USA, South in your mouth. That's their chant there hmm. in South Alabama. How yeah. about that? How about that? Uh, Clemson, 14, Auburn, 6 in a meat grinder of a game. Yeah, I think Auburn's offensive line coach may need to update his resume. I mean, I, I listen, I, Clemson's got a tremendous defensive front, no doubt. But you can't give up 11 sacks in a game, man, if you're an SEC team. 11. Wow. 11. And I watched a lot of that game. Jared Stidham was balling. I know his stat line's terrible. But the escapability he – I mean, if Sean White, last year's quarterback, had played, we would have been talking historic levels of sacks, 15, 16. (laughs) The quick release Stidham had, his escapability, he just didn't get any help. He's out there balling his ass off. They couldn't block. They couldn't get open. And You've been jocking this guy for a long time. I thought he played well. Given what he was under, I mean, it, they weren't doing three-step drops. It was three steps, three steps and your drop. Yeah, Jake, Jake Christensen called and said that's too many steps. Yes, yes. Now, I am fascinated Saturday night. I can't wait to watch this. Lamar Jackson hosting Clemson. In a big revenge game. Remember, they had Clemson beaten Death Valley last year, and 
got down inside like the 20-yard line in the last possession and couldn't finish the job. So Clemson against Lamar, who's putting up sickening numbers again. What did he have? 130 yards rushing, 300 yards passing, just over 500 yards of offense or something. Just crazy numbers again. That's going to be a fun matchup on Saturday night to watch that. USC did the thing against Stanford, 42-24. to That's a pretty big win for them, pretty big step. It is. And, you know, they had two rushers go over 100 yards. You don't see even average Stanford teams don't give that up. I think this was one of the biggest moments a team had um, in the first two weeks of the season for USC. Stanford's owned them. Stanford's had their number. But they also beat Stanford. Sam Darnold played well, but they beat Stanford at the line of scrimmage. And I think that's going to play. That's going to pay huge dividends for the Trojans down the line. I think. Georgia beat Notre Dame twenty to nineteen in South Bend, and Brian Kelly was a total a hole after the game. Um, I understand not liking some questions. A reporter basically asked him, you know, last year you lost some games, some close games. You know, how is it going to be any difference this year? And he he just tore this lady apart. Um, I don't know. I, I used to be a fan of his, really not anymore. Maybe it's because he's at Notre Dame, but I don't know. Well, you know, when you and I first started out, he was my first non-Michigan man crush coach, okay? Um or count, not counting Dan McCartney at Iowa State. But I've lost all of that. And the reality is, when you are the coach at Notre Dame and, and the religious identity is so prevalent to that school, you just have to treat people better than that. You just There's no place for it. It's a legitimate question to ask. How do you keep this from snowballing? Because you know what? Last year it did. They're now 1-8 in their last nine games, John, decided by one possession or less. That's inexcusable. One and that's, that, that was the crux of the question she asked. Yes, it's a perfectly fair question. And, and you know, let's not, I, not to knock feminism back a century, but, it, but you also, given the fact a woman is asking you that question, and you are, this is the largest Catholic university on the planet, and the Catholic Church is the largest church on planet Earth. You are arguably other than the pope himself the most visible <laughs> proxy of the catholic church in on earth you have to treat people better than this you just and see this is the stuff that gets your ass fired more than going seven and five or five yeah this is seven. tax evasion the, yes because because you're talking about a school with an unlimited printing press of endowments they don't care what you they're still paying charlie weiss and they don't care they will fire you for stuff like this you cannot treat people the way he does and it's it's really unnecessary and it's inexcusable and there's another story that happened this week that's gone largely unreported they've been they they had a, a former player file a player safety lawsuit against him this week claiming that the team doctors did not tell him about a spinal uh, stenosis injury hmm. uh, in an MRI. Now, who knows if that's true or not, but in this day and age, ask Kevin Wilson if those are the headlines you want. Answer, right. no. They also had someone, a, a woman file, a former female student, fire, file a Title IX lawsuit against the school in regards to an assault. Now, 
Ask everybody, anybody who's been a fan at Baylor or Michigan State if those are the headlines you want. Those two stories also happened this week. You've got to be more self-aware than that, John. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Right now, when you're getting sued for Title IX and player endangerment in two separate cases and you're coming off four and eight, you don't sit there and treat a lady reporter like she's some freaking jag-off water boy. And when she, all she did was ask a, a legitimate question. The guy just has lost all self-awareness whatsoever. It's sad to watch. Makes you, makes you almost wonder if it's intentional. Like he's self-destructing yep. subconsciously? Yep, yep, Somebody get me out of here? Yep, yep. I don't know. E ego won't quit, so fire me. Um, last one. Speaking of coaching man crushes. Uh, TCU 28, Arkansas 7. Eesh. The game was played in Arkansas. Um, it was bad. I watched. Did you watch it? I watched. I caught part of it. I mean, they can't throw the ball. They can't run the ball. I mean, TCU. I mean, okay, maybe they're maybe they're improved. Two hundred and sixty-seven yards for the Hogs. Thirteen first down. Excuse me. Thirteen first downs. It's just uninspiring. Yeah, had a kicker miss a couple of kicks, including one that was about the length of an extra point that bounced off the upright. I mean, it was – it's one of those games where you start asking, do guys just not want to play for this coach anymore and they're trying to get him killed? I mean, it was – it was – and I like Brett Bielema, even though he blocked me on Twitter. I like him. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I couldn't help but watch it I, just out of a sense of macabre. You know, out of, out of like, how can they be – this slow how can they be this undynamic this unex inexplosive it's year five you know these are all his recruits where's the where where's the sec speed where's the sec athleticism and it just wasn't there now now you know gary patterson's a very good coach and TCU did not live up to expect. Remember, these two teams played a great game last year. It was a tremendous game uh, in in Fort Worth. Maybe we'll find out that that TCU is better than we thought, and that you know uh, he's gonna they're gonna win a lot of games in the Big Twelve. But that didn't look like a team that's gonna be able to win a lot of games in the SEC West, based on what I saw. That's pretty much it. That they they have a tough schedule. Every I mean. Year. Vanderbilt has put up 40 plus points two weeks in a row. Okay. Well, thankfully, thankfully they don't they don't play them. Yeah, I know, but, but my point is, I'm an Arkansas fan. I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, uh, what is that? I mean, I, I mean, how is Vanderbilt putting up 40 plus points? Tennessee lost almost everybody from a playmaker standpoint from last year's offense. And I want look at the points they're putting up. If I'm an Arkansas fan, I'm asking myself, we're in year five, man. Where's the playmakers at? Yeah, Brett made me need to get his um, legal pad out again and, and start writing some uh, secret letters to athletic directors around the country like he did with Jeff Long. You know what it is, man? It's the day's Twitter karma. He blocked me on he Twitter. He blocked man. you on Twitter. That's what it is. Yeah. What you it know, is. Arkansas is not the deep south, but you can see it from there. Yep. And Brett's a Yankee, and I'm just telling you, I, I, I don't know how much more time he'll have if he can't get it turned around. So. Well, he's, well, he's got two things going for him. One is 
he's masterfully worked the fan base down there from a PR standpoint. You know, his persona does fit in, and he does he does look a little Dana Altman awkward doing the Woo Pig Suey. But other than the chant, his persona is you know the brashness does fit in that down there very well the other thing he has going for him is jeff long the ad is a yankee too he came from michigan um you know so uh he doesn't have the natural cultural uh opposition that's why he brought brett bielema in the first place as he saw his work firsthand when he was an associate ad at michigan and brought him there to arkansas he's got those two things going for him but you know that's only going to go so far at at some point especially when you already have arkansas fans saying can we go eight and four nine and three i mean can we at least be that good you know and from what i saw on saturday the answer to that question doesn't appear to be yes indeed that will wrap it up thank you to exile brewing company for sponsoring this podcast hope you enjoy this nearly gosh 80 minute long installment of the hn podcast what did, did we miss college football yeah we did for steve i'm john we'll talk to you thursday